Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 19th of May. Police have praised the efforts of bystanders who desperately tried to save a man from a shark attack on the New South Wales mid-north coast. The 59-year-old from Sydney's northern beaches suffered critical injuries to his upper right leg while serving with mates at Tuncurry Beach yesterday morning. He was pulled from the water but was unable to be saved. Superintendent Chris Schultz says in an act of bravery, the victim had tried to warn other surfers of the imminent danger. When the attack occurred, the man did actually see the shark and called out to try and warn others. Uh, And very heroically, his friends were able to bring him back into shore after he had been attacked. Authorities believe he was most likely attacked by a four and a half metre great white shark, while local beaches remain closed this morning. Australians could soon need a vaccination passport while travelling interstate. The Prime Minister has hinted at the move but says it would require the agreement of states and territories. Meantime, speculation is growing the PM may call an early federal election. The date Australians go to the polls must be called by May next year, but Scott Morrison has refused to give an exact time. There's not an election this year. Um, the election's next year. Is that a promise or is that, um, is that an assumption? Well, it's not due until next year. I can't foresee every single political scenario. So circumstances um, might change your mind? Who knows? There would have to be you know, very, 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 very good reasons as to why that would change. That audio thanks to Seven. It comes as pressure continues to mount on the federal government to set a timeline for when our international borders will reopen. Flight Centre boss Graham Turner has echoed controversial calls from the head of Virgin Australia that our borders should reopen. Epidemiologist Professor Catherine Bennett has told the project there is a risk we could fall behind. I think we do need to think longer term, think about opening up and rather than saying if enough of us gets vaccinated we might be able to open up, I'd be turning it on its head and saying we are opening up, we need to have everyone vaccinated by this date. Also making news this morning, the family of a Sydney businessman who has died in India while waiting to get back to Australia says he was desperate to return home. 47-year-old Govind Kant flew to India last month for the funeral of his mother who died from COVID. His father and auntie have also passed away after contracting the virus. Mr Kant was finally able to secure a flight to Australia but he tested positive before he was able to leave. Here is his sister on nine. Because the flight numbers were highly restricted, he could not secure a flight. There was a sudden surge of the COVID virus in India and... He was COVID positive. Was he desperate to come home? Absolutely. This week, India has become the world's second nation after the US to surpass 25 million COVID cases. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground and we start in New South Wales and the state government is already planning to open a second mass vaccination hub as the vaccine rollout steps up. The first vaccination centre at Sydney's Olympic Park is already rolling out more than 5,000 doses a day 
despite not yet being at full capacity. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tasha State's Health Minister has indicated plans to build a new hub near or in Newcastle. That's thanks to the success of the hub at Homebush, with the state government hoping the number of jabs administered there will be even higher than first predicted when the hub starts rolling out both Pfizer and AstraZeneca from May 24. It comes with our Premier keen to speed up the pace of our state's vaccine rollout. Gladys Berejiklian indicating she hopes it could mean international borders open sooner. And to Victoria and the impact of our international border closures and the lack of foreign students is still having a major impact in the state. Higher education is Victoria's biggest service export, bringing $13 billion into the state every year. But as James Lake reports from Melbourne, experts are tipping international student numbers won't recover to pre-pandemic levels until at least 2028. Thanks, Tash. Yeah, it's not a great news story for universities in Victoria. The prospect of waiting another seven years for these enrolments to recover. The point many people miss is international students bring billions into our unis each year. And that cash doesn't just go towards paying staff, but also for research. The pandemic has taken away that revenue from overseas students, which subsidises enormous amounts of research. Victoria has put a proposal to Canberra to start getting students back in with a model to bring 120 people a week and put them in quarantine so they can get back to their studies. Now, the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. There's more good news for the economy around today. Super is on track for its best returns in almost a decade. Some may say... What COVID? That's exactly the right question, I think. And of course, we should say it's always dangerous a couple of months out from the end of the financial year to start speculating what might happen. Goodness knows we've been in this position before where uh, where things have gone bad. But right now, we're on track for the best return since 2013. The average super fund up 14.7% over the last 10 months. And the flight centre boss, Graham Turner, has controversially backed Virgin CEO's very interesting comments about Australia needing to open its borders, even if that means some deaths. Yeah, and this is one of those really challenging ones where they're obviously talking their book to some degree. I don't doubt they genuinely believe it, but of course it's hard to separate the two. Yeah, Graham Turner coming out and basically saying uh, Australia's got to learn to live with this and sooner than 2022 is the quote. He says that people would die from COVID-19 in Australia. Again, quote, just like 2,000 die from the flu each year and a myriad of other causes. This is absolutely a doubling down. I'm not sure whether Jane Hudlicker really wants Graham Turner to be bringing this back into the news cycle after the last couple of days, but he's done it, and he's done it in a pretty stunning fashion. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Bitcoin continues to tumble in the wake of those interesting comments from Tesla CEO Elon Musk's tweets. Yeah, look, he's uh, he's certainly a lightning rod for controversy. He, of course, jumped on board the Bitcoin train. That's all Bitcoin absolutely go through the roof. Now, Tesla started to accept Bitcoin for payment. It bought some Bitcoin for its own balance sheet. And then he reversed course pretty quickly, a couple of weeks, maybe a month afterwards, saying, yep, we don't no longer think it's a good idea. Uh, it takes up too much electricity. We think it's bad. We should find another way. Bitcoin has fallen more than 25% in the week since those tweets were released. It just goes to show when sentiment is an asset price or a share price, these things can really, really swing wildly and it really is not one for the faint-hearted, probably only purely for speculation. Yeah, and the power of social media. Also today, Scott, uh, there's big issues, of course, with international tourism with our borders still shut, but there's some encouraging signs for tourism in Australia. 
Natasha, we'd like to find some some good news out of what's been a, a tough last 12 or 18 months. And the good news here is while tourism, obviously flights, and we talked about Virgin earlier, while flights remain obviously challenged because of the closed borders, internally within Australia, not only are we spending more money in retail, but we're actually spending money on the old staycation, either literally in the city you're in or the town, or maybe just going somewhere relatively local. A lot of tourism venues, hotels in particular, are seeing a really nice rebound from people simply saying, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere. It's going to be local. It's going to probably be a road trip, uh, but I'm going to do it. And the hotel accommodation, the hotel bookings are really bouncing back nicely, putting some more, I guess, air under the wings of the revised tourism sector. Good to see. Scott, thank you. Thank you. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett Australia's fast bowling stars who played in the infamous Cape Town test have hit out at suggestions they were involved in the ball tampering scandal. Yes, good morning, Tash. It was Cameron Bancroft who's basically thrown them under a bus speaking to The Guardian over the weekend uh, that it was pretty self-explanatory was the quote there that the bowlers would have known about uh, the plot to use sandpaper to rough up the ball in South Africa during that infamous test. As you mentioned, well, they've released a joint statement. So this is Pat Cummins. Josh Hazelwood, Mitch Stark and Nathan Lyon, all still stars and key members of that bowling attack. Um, they, they're claiming innocence and calling for an end to rumour-mongering and innuendo. They say they pride themselves on honesty. Uh, so I reckon the next time they fa- face Cameron Bancroft in state cricket, oh. he might get a few uh, bounces, a bit of chin music coming his way, I reckon. <laughs> a few well-deserved sledges, possibly. Um, Brett, to the NRL now, and team sheets are out for round 11 with South Sydney to get a superstar back while there's more changes for the Broncos. Yes, yeah, so Latrell Mitchell has served that four-game suspension. He will play against the Panthers on Sunday in Dubbo. South have been put through a pretty intense week on the track as well. We know that they were thrashed by the storm uh, last time they faced a quality opponent, and obviously Penrith are unbeaten. In other team news, the Dragons and Raiders have been forced to dig deep into their reserve-grade stocks. They've both been hit hard by suspension and injuries. You mentioned the Broncos. Anthony Milford, the million-dollar man, dropped again. Albert Kelly to play his first game in the NRL since 2014. Teammate Jake Turpin says they don't need anything extra special from him. Yeah, any team has changed. It's always hard to get combos and whatever else. It's obvious, but we're just looking for anyone that comes into the side just you know to put their hand up and to do just to do their job. And the Sharks have named Sean Johnson in their extended squad. He'll need to get through training this week to prove that he's over a hamstring injury. So we'll watch this space with Sean Johnson. And to AFL now, Brett Carlton and St Kilda are expected to announce some massive signings this morning. Yeah, and a major coup for Carlton as well. They've reportedly locked away their skipper Paddy Cripps on a four-year deal, turning his back on free agency and to return home to WA. Their outgoing president, Mark LeJudice, telling Nine, a commitment from Cripps has never been in question. Oh, I think Paddy's confirmed his loyalty to the football club, always said he uh, wants to stay at the club and loves the club, and we love him and our supporters love him, and he's the captain of our football club. And the Saints expected to confirm that their promising young forward, Max King, has extended his contract by another four years on some big money, I understand, as well. So good news coming out of the Blues and Saints this morning. Great news, Brett. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. And a dad in the UK has broken down in tears on TV after getting an incredible evaluation for his late dad's Rolex watch on the much-loved show Antiques Roadshow. He revealed his dad gave him the watch months before he passed away, originally buying it for $240 back in 1972. The watch was in great condition. His dad had even kept the original invoice and receipt, with it now worth around $36,000, leaving him speechless. One of a 10-year production with a Mark IV dial. 
with the receipt and the straps and I hope you guys are going to be really really pleased with this it's going to be around the £20,000 mark you happy with that? Obviously speechless. And the man says his dad was a huge fan of Antiques Roadshow and would have been thrilled his watch made it on the hit TV show. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch our latest episode and be across all the breaking news and hot topics as they happen in our brand new talk show, Australia Today with Steve Price, by heading to listener.com or downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.